Hey there, I'm Scott Bertram, and I'm the director of the Hillsdale College Podcast Network. This show and all the other shows on the network are listener-supported. That means we hope for, we count on, frankly, we rely on the support of listeners like you to make our educational outreach possible. One of the best and most convenient ways to do so is joining the Liberty and Learning Society. That's our exclusive monthly giving group. And in this month of March, we are looking for 300 new members of the Liberty and Learning Society. When you join, you'll help defend liberty through education, and you'll make shows like this one possible far into the future. All you have to do is visit hillsdale.edu slash monthly and complete the secure online donation form. If you need to pause or stop your gift at some point, no problem. Just call us. One of our friendly students or staff will help you. But today, will you be one of the 300 new members of the Liberty and Learning Society in March? Go to hillsdale.edu slash monthly to join the Liberty and Learning Society today. Help us bring these shows to you and other Americans at hillsdale.edu slash monthly. Welcome to Hillsdale College's Classical Education Podcast, bringing you insight into classical education and its unique emphasis on human virtue and moral character, responsible citizenship, content-rich curricula, and teacher-led classrooms. And now your host, Scott Bertram. Thanks for listening. You can find more information on topics and ideas discussed on this show at our website, k12.hillsdale.edu. That's k 12 hillsdale.edu. We're joined today by Sean Maltby. He is headmaster at Sacred Heart Academy in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Sean, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, you're welcome, Scott. We're talking today about the state of Catholic education in America today. Tell us first uh, about Sacred Heart Academy, how the school came to be. Yeah, so Sacred Heart Academy is a, a Catholic school on the west side of Grand Rapids attached to the Sacred Heart of Jesus Parish. Uh, the parish is a, a Polish parish founded in 1904, and from its founding had a school, elementary school, uh, K, K through 8, uh, and it remained uh, pretty much in that form up through uh, 2013 uh, and was refounded as Sacred Heart Academy at that time as a Catholic classical school or a, a you know school that uh, provides a liberal arts education. Uh, and now we are... Um, preschool Montessori we have Montessori up through uh, 12th grade and we just graduated our fourth graduating class uh, this year um, and so this refounding that took place eight years ago was the result of not an uncommon tale unfortunately sadly uh, in the United States uh, of a, a failing Catholic school um, in, a, in an urban area in fact in Grand Rapids um, just prior to uh, this time frame when when this sort of um, discernment was happening about what the future of Sacred Heart would be. We had just had a round of school closings. Mm -hmm. um, so Grand Rapids was certainly not immune to what's happened all over the country and continues to happen. Uh, but um, uh, uh, Father Robert Sirico uh, was named the pastor of Sacred Heart. And some of your listeners may know him. He's certainly a friend of, of Hillsdale, and right. he's the co-founder and president emeritus of the Acton Institute. He had never been in a parish with a school, um, and he was excited about the opportunity to be uh, the pastor of a parish with a school. But uh, the bishop had told him that the school, he could close the school. He had permission to do it, which 
you know, to his credit, he didn't do that. Many priests probably would have jumped at the opportunity to, to close the school. Mm-hmm. There were some, some parishioners uh, in the community that knew a little bit about liberal education and um, some homeschool families in the, in, the, in the community that were doing that type of education with their children. And they created a vision for, for a different school, for a new school. And we had the good fortune, and I know you're going to be talking with him later, is that good was in the parish uh, and had uh, been, uh, you know, certainly formed here at Hillsdale, uh, but had spent some time out in Colorado uh, uh, with the Vanguard School, helping them build a high school. And so he knew a lot about what it was that uh, this vision um, sort of was looking at. And so we started uh, about a year after the refounding. I was hired as the headmaster in our first really full year of of. Um, what we'd call a classical curriculum, if you will, was in the 2014-15 school year. And then the next year we started a high school <laughs> as if we didn't have enough to do. Um, but it's been amazingly successful. So when I started in May of 2014, we were at 69 students. And um, today, as I sit here, we officially have 397 enrolled for next year. So we're just on the cusp of 400. How would you describe the goals of Sacred Heart Academy, what, what's the mission? Yeah, the mission is, uh, and it's really quite simple, Sacred Heart Academy is a parish apostolate, so we're an apostolate of the parish of Sacred Heart dedicated to assisting families and forming Catholics and cultivating culture. So uh, we view our role as a school as being a place um, to partner with parents in the formation of their children. And education uh, today, people put lots of different labels on schools. They say, oh, this is a college prep school or this is a career prep school. Uh, what I like to say is we're, we're a salvation prep school. Uh, so our vision is um, our vision is heaven for the children. I mean, we want to prepare them for that. And obviously it's their life that's going to do that. But what we try to do is in the time that we have with them, is to prepare them to understand who they are, created in the image and likeness of God, uh, as his child uh, for some particular purpose, and that if they, they, they correspond with that gift of their life uh, and the blessings that they have um, and do it well, uh, that they will, um, they will achieve that, that destiny of, of being in heaven forever with him. And so that's obviously a very lofty uh, goal and, you, you know, not one that you could really measure, um, which uh, is obviously very countercultural when it comes to education because everybody wants to measure everything, at mm-hmm. least to try to, uh, to quantify things. But you can't quantify the unquantifiable, <laughs> um, and uh, we're not going to try to do that. The church actually teaches that parents are the primary educators of their children. So what a school should be should flow from that idea. You know, the school should be an extension of the home in, in many ways. And so providing the time and space for them to grow develop in a very nurturing environment and one at which creates time and space ultimately for them to to develop a relationship with uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're talking about the state of Catholic education in America today, but that means we have to also talk about the state of Catholic education in America yesterday and the day before <laughs> right. and the years before. How would you describe the arc of Catholic K-12 education over the past 100 years or so? We go from uh, you know, certainly a post-war expansion uh, to current trends in which we are hearing often as what nearly happened to Sacred Heart, uh, complete closures of Catholic schools in many large urban areas. So how would you describe that arc of Catholic education? Yeah, you know, I think um, uh, Catholic education, uh, actually, I, I, 
I, you know, I don't think I'd be um, exaggerating this to say uh, probably was the model for schooling for for children uh, in our country um, and presented a great threat, I think, to to, you know, what was burgeoning becoming a public education system with a particular um, a Protestant ethic to it. And uh, and and obviously, uh, I mean, America could be proud of the early days of of of, of its uh, school system uh, and what happened there. Uh, but w- but the Catholic schools um, were, uh, I think, a threat to that. And uh, so there, you know, there, uh, there was just a Supreme Court case this week that struck down a, 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 a you know, there's these things called the Blaine Amendments that mm-hmm. um, were passed at the early, you know, in the early 1900s. Um, in some states uh, have them in their constitutions. Michigan is one of them. Yes. Uh, that prevent uh, and were targeted. I mean, the, the the language doesn't specifically say anti-Catholic, but they were they were trying to weaken the Catholic education system. But as you mentioned, I it wasn't immediately successful. The there was a, certainly a post-war boom. That the immigration that continued from from uh, traditionally Catholic countries uh, in Europe really c- allowed these schools to to grow and flourish. And and Sacred Heart was no exception of that i mean you know the polish uh, immigration in grand rapids was uh, was incredible in the late 1800s early 1900s and so incredible that there were three there actually were three polish parishes one um, for a for a regular re, re, relatively small sized town the first one was uh, actually had to spill out into two others one went west and one went east and mm-hmm. sacred heart is the one that went west and in its heyday uh, in the in the early 1950s um, built a brand new school at the end of that decade, had almost 900 kids in the school. And this is, again, just K through eight. Uh, religious sisters teaching in the school, uh, the school sisters of Notre Dame who who, uh, who were a part of many school systems throughout, I know throughout the Midwest, but I think throughout the United States as well. And that heyday of Catholic education um, quickly took a, a plummeted um, in the late 60s and early 70s. The sister, the decrease in destruction of the religious orders, I think, um, did, did a huge number on, on Catholic schooling. And so what ended up happening was you, you had schools um, that, were, that really were devoid of that, the, the, the truly distinctive thing that made them Catholic, which was the passing on of the faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, we still see that today. And I think what, what the problem with that is, is that if, if that's not happening, that, that I mean, that's the one thing that we should be distinctive in, uh, and what makes us different. Um, why wouldn't you just go to a public school, especially when you don't have to pay for it? And quite frankly, Catholic education is probably more expensive than it should be, because of the religious orders could do it a lot cheaper mm-hmm. than now you have with you know lay lay teachers. Uh, we do actually have the great fortune to have a couple of sisters in our school at Sacred Heart. But mostly lay men and women who are, are are teaching in the school and making significant amount less, um, and I would say, you know, unfortunately, barely just a living wage, um, just because of of how you could never make tuition be what it should be to to actually be able to pay the teachers, <laughs> especially the, the 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 wages that public school teachers are are receiving. So was there a shift or a change? 
in, in the type of education in, in many Catholic schools in, in the country over that time frame. Yeah, and I think this is something that has really impacted not just uh, Catholic education, but education as a whole, uh, which is, I, I think, um, you know, we're seeing this renaissance of classical liberal education. This is actually a, a, a reclaiming of the way when education was done, uh, th- throughout the, the last 2,000 years, um, when somebody was educated, they were formed in the great Western intellectual tradition. And um, the church was no exception to that. I mean, that education was for, for nobles, princes, kings, priests, and the university system uh, you know, that we know today was formed by the church mm-hmm. for the purpose of providing this sort of education, which um, all actually was leading to the you know, you, you, you learned hum, human wisdom to prepare you to actually study divine wisdom. So theology was considered the queen of the sciences. So you would, you know, you would study the trivium, the quadrivium, and you would, that would prepare you to study philosophy, which would in turn prepare you to study theology mm-hmm. ultimately. And then if, you know, you, you went in, uh, into the, the priesthood or a religious order, or you would then turn your education to a profession like law or medicine or something like that, but everybody had that same sort of building block. And I think the the early Catholic schools and even early modern education still had that basis. I mean, uh, uh, Dr. Arn today during the, the, the lunchtime speaker with uh, uh, Secretary DeVos made the comment that, you know, school teacher uh, showing up in the 1800s, someone coming to the college in the 1800s would have to know Greek and Latin, mm-hmm. but that wasn't just true of Hillsdale, it was true right. of every school. Uh-huh. And that was what uh, education would, in high school would have prepared them to do. Yeah, it's funny to look at something like the entrance exam uh, to this school or even Harvard from you know the 1860s, and, and om- almost nobody in this country uh, could do that out of high school today. And so a decline in what we just expected of, of students. And I think the modern philosophy that and, and the industrial education model that came into uh, vogue in the early 1900s really diluted intellectual formation um, of children. And, and really, uh, you know, it's almost, it's almost more like it's a race to the, to the bottom than, than actually trying to achieve our full potential talking to Sean Maltby. He is headmaster at Sacred Heart Academy in Grand Rapids, Michigan, about the state of Catholic education in America today. What was then that effect and the effect of of this arc we we talked previously on the the, the Catholic population, both in Grand Rapids and and across the country? Yeah, so I think what what you find is um, you're not able to... um, if you if you don't have this formation and wisdom and virtue, your intellect is not prepared to actually to begin to dive into the treasures of of divine wisdom, and and once you actually get a little taste of that, it, it becomes a lifelong pursuit that that taste of divine wisdom, which is actually an encounter with our Creator, um, and and it leads to a personal relationship with with Jesus. That's not something you. Once you've had that taste, you 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 will continue to pursue it, and it's nothing that you can ever uh, mine the depths of while you're while you're living this mortal life. Um, and I, I think a failure to create an environment where where children can have that opportunity to have that encounter, uh, particularly when they're young, mm-hmm. uh, when they're really young, that's when their their imaginations and their hearts are most open uh, to having that encounter. Um, and so 
I think it's really important for a Catholic school to create time and space to have that encounter. So it's say, you know, what we do. So that's a supernatural thing. If you, so we're supernatural beings. And if you want to be a super, if you want to have reach your supernatural end, you have to do supernatural things. So we begin every day with mass, but I know, um, I, I only know of a handful of schools in the country that do that today that actually access the supernatural grace that, that, that Jesus tells us we need to, to, to have to be able to actually endure the things we're going to encounter in, in this life. Um, and so many people, I mean, you know, uh, the Catholic, there was a survey done, I think three years ago, came out three summers ago that said that um, somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, only 38% or something like that of Catholics actually believe in the real presence in the Eucharist. And um, that uh, that failure, I think, directly corresponds to the failure to create those encounters in a Catholic in Catholic education. Once you, um, I mean, I, I can't tell you, one of the most beautiful things I've seen in my school um, in the time that I've been there is to watch uh, second graders receive their first communion. The longing that they have because they've been, there's been time and space for them to actually encounter our Lord and the Blessed Sacrament when they go to adoration or when they're at mass and they see everybody else receiving, but they can't receive and, and they begin to understand that this is something really, really special. And, and then the, the role of the parents and the teachers uh, in the community is to actually continue that, that desire, create an environment where that desire and that the building of that relationship continues so that it isn't lost that they, because they're not, they're going to lose that sense of wonder and they're, they're going to encounter some of the tough uh, things of the world as they get older. But um, the longer we can delay that and the better we can strengthen that relationship um, in the first instance, the, the better off we'll, we'll be. What in your mind is necessary for the rebirth, the renaissance of Catholic classical education in the country? Can what worked for Sacred Heart Academy work for schools elsewhere? Yeah, I think it can. In fact, um, I'm, I'm, Father Sirico has retired as the pastor of Sacred Heart, and uh, he, um, uh, a donor asked him this question. He's like, do you think you could, uh, he said, I, I have a retirement job for you. You know, do you, do you, do you think you could somehow uh, create a way to share what happened at Sacred Heart so it can happen in other places? And I, I don't think that you can, you know, you can't franchise Sacred Heart, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to, um, because one of the beauties of what's happened at Sacred Heart is that it's the community itself that did the thing for its community. What you can do is you can actually inspire other communities to do the same thing. Um, and it, and um, so there, I, I think there are two really critical things um, uh, to doing it. One is um, the, the hiring for mission. Uh, and uh, the, the second thing is uh, is ensuring that w- everything that you're doing flows from the sacramental life of the church. And so I know that not every school could necessarily have daily mass, um, but if they could do it, mo- uh, you know, if they could increase mm-hmm. the opportunities to encounter our Lord in that way, they could increase the opportunities for access to the sacrament of confession, increase opportunities for the access to adoration. The reason I say that, it, well, one, it, 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 that, that's the source of our grace, but, but really, how can you actually get to know the person of Jesus if you're not spending any time with him? And so I think that's, I think that's crucial. Uh, and then when I say hiring for mission, the teachers, um, Pope Paul, St. Paul Paul VI said 
uh, that uh, the teachers make good teachers because they're good witnesses. Hmm. And so, you know, we hire um, ca- uh, Catholic teachers who are on fire for their faith. And fortunately for us, we actually find a lot of them at Hillsdale. Uh, our faculty is populated with a lot of teachers at Hillsdale, which probably explains why I'm here talking to you today. Because uh, <laughs> we, we um, we're here as part of the conference because we we won the Salvatore Prize last last year, and right. and um, the reason for that is the some of the great men and women we have on the staff, and and they love our Lord, they love the subjects that they teach, and they lead the kids in that love, and it inspires love in the kids as well. And and I, it really seems pretty simple. Because I think it is. And so what, what needs to happen is we need more of that to happen. Um, and, I, and I think it's possible. Uh, so we, Father and I um, are starting an institute called the St. John Henry Newman Institute um, to do just that. And, and, and the idea behind the institute isn't to like create this bureaucratic institution that shares, um, you know, that, that just basically, you know, tells people how to do what we did at Sacred Heart, but actually uh, enables and amplifies because there are some great organizations that are doing this. Mm-hmm. There are other schools in the country that are are that have done what Sacred Heart has done, but it's little pockets of light here and there. It's yeah. certainly, but it, but once you get a few, you can get a groundswell, and I think we can renew Catholic education. Maybe the institute is part of the answer to this question, which is how do you inspire the desire in these schools for this older sort older form of catholic education the ones that aren't at death's door the ones that aren't in danger of closing how do you make them want to change yeah so i think well certainly you can't argue with you know uh 5x uh a growth mm-hmm. so you know most uh, schools even the ones that are you know still doing well they're maintaining and they struggle every year to convince you know st- I mean, the, the, even the schools that are doing the best um, job at it sort of in this modern model, I think, struggle for enrollment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a real battle every year. We're struggling. I mean, we're struggling to actually fit all the families in that, we, that, that want to be at Sacred Heart. And so I think that will help create pressure um, is just that example of that explosive enrollment growth. Like, why are these families so interested? You know, and so a lot of the families that we have are families that haven't been in Catholic schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, my understanding, and I don't have the, the citation on this, is that there are more Catholic children being homeschooled today than there are uh, cath- in Catholic schools um, in this country, uh, which should be saying an awful lot uh, to, to the bishops and superintendents across the country that, you know, how do we reach uh, these kids? Well, why, are the, why did those parents, why are those parents choosing to homeschool? I think of any school, no matter how um, uh, sustainable they are at the moment they find themselves in today, should be asking themselves that question. Why are those families not in a, in a Catholic school? Because I can tell you, you know, we have a homeschool part, uh, partnership part-time program uh, where, we, you know, we've, we've, we've got um, 80 to 100 kids in that program every year. And every year we have many of those kids moving into the full-time school mm-hmm. since we Started eight years ago, we're somewhere in the neighborhood of 75 kids have come into our school from no school at all. They were at home to, you know, so being there a couple of days a week to now being there full time. And there are a couple of kids that were just like that <laughs> here at Hillsdale students today, uh, which I think is really, really something special. And so that 
that can happen in any any community across yeah. this country. Um, it, it's it's really possible, and I think um, commitment to to reverent liturgy uh, that can in uh, uh, give life uh, to a community in such a way that they wouldn't want to go anywhere else. They just wouldn't. Um, so that's. It's not. It sounds uh, sounds a little sim- simplistic, but it's very doable. Sure, uh, it is hard though, um, and so some would resist. But I would say that the things that are hard are the things that we actually should be doing, because <laughs> uh, we're called to bear a cross. Sean Maltby, headmaster at Sacred Heart Academy in Grand Rapids, Michigan, as we talk about the state of Catholic education in America today. Sean, thanks so much for joining us here on the Hillsdale College Classical Education Podcast. Thank you for having me, Scott. It was my sincere pleasure to be here. I'm Scott Bertram. We invite you to like us on Facebook. Search for Hillsdale College K-12 Classical Education. You also can follow us on Instagram at Hillsdale underscore K-12. Hillsdale underscore K-12 on Instagram. Thank you for listening to the Hillsdale College Classical Education Podcast. Mm -hmm.